Welcome to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. On this podcast, we share ideas and hear from guests about how they find, retain, develop, and advance women and other underrepresented groups in their accounting firms. Now, on to our guest. Thank you, everyone, for being here for this episode of Move Like This. I am looking forward to a great conversation today with Robin Matthews. She is a partner and shareholder with Jones and Roth. Thank you for being here today, Robin. Yeah, I'm happy to do so. Before we get into some of the cool things I know your firm is doing, tell us a little bit about your firm and what you think makes it unique in public accounting. I've been here since 1990, so been here a while, so clearly I like it. Our firm has three offices in Oregon, so very Oregon-based. I think what is great about our firm is we're big enough to have resources, so I can call someone and say, hey, I haven't worked in this area of the tax law. Do you know the rules? And somebody can get back to me and, and know what they're talking about and be very clear. But we're small enough that if somebody has a thought or a strategy or something new that we want to do, we're small enough. There's not all this bureaucracy. We can just get things done, right? Because we're small enough to make quick decisions and to be able to support things. So I, I like it. We're we're not huge, but we're big enough to, we're not so small that we can't get things done, but too big to not get things done too, if that makes sense. Yeah. You're in that nice sweet spot there in the middle where yeah. you have the flexibility you want, but yet also the resources to take care of all your clients. Yeah, exactly. Jones and Roth is really a true standout firm in terms of retaining women as they rise through the ranks to partner. According to your recent move survey, 42% of your partner group is women, which outpaces the profession as a whole and additionally, most move firms. So what is it that Jones and Roth is doing to make the firm a place where women want to stay and grow into leadership roles? I think we're very career coach focused and that can look way different for different people, right? So we like to say one size fits one. We're going to meet with you and your career goals might be much different than the other person next to you. We find in general, like just a general commentary is that women in the firm will hold themselves back until they're sure they're ready for the next move. Mm -hmm. Men in the firm will push themselves forward before they're quite ready. And so it's really important for us to coach people that are holding themselves back around those issues. Why are you holding yourself back? What, what's going on with you? And we really try to figure out what will work for their work-life balance and how they can be successful. That's the biggest thing. Every person is different in terms of what is success for them and how they'll go about it. And how you motivate person A is going to be much different than how you motivate person B, right? And we really try to figure out what we can do. A lot of our conversations, let's say we have a performance issue. Our conversation doesn't say, 
you are doing badly. Our conversation is around how can we help you? What are your barriers? Why isn't this happening? What are we doing to make this harder for you? What can we do to make this easier for you? And that kind of encouraging atmosphere really works. Oh, that's great. I love the one size fits one. And that's so true that not just in accounting in anything. Right. So one thing we are focused on for the 2023 report, which comes out soon, actually, is customized partnerships. And we understand you have a flexible partnership model. I'd love to know how it is structured and also what impact it has had on rising women leaders. So what we have is what we call a Beyond Senior Manager program. So once somebody gets up to a senior manager, what do they want to do beyond that? Um, and what role makes sense for them in their the time of life they're in? So, and it's flexible in that, for example, someone might decide that for what they want to do, a non-equity partner role is perfect for them. But then they choose that and they get into that role and they're like, you know what, I really want to be an equity partner after all. We can move to that path. So we're really trying to work with different people and see what makes sense to them. So we have three roles. We have a director role, a non-equity partner, and a partner role. And those are very different and they all have their pluses and minuses, but it does have a place for them to land once they're senior manager. And that really helps, I think, because we'll have people that because of what's going on in their personal life, they don't want to go full all in yet, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't want to also really be on the sidelines. So this is a way of bridging that and helping them until they're ready to go forward. Oh, I think that's great. And the fact that you can kind of move in and out of roles as you need to based on what's going on in your life is great. You could be like full bore ahead to, you know, equity partner. And then you have a parent that suddenly needs a lot more care than what you had planned for. And being able to make that adjustment without having to leave the firm, which I've talked to a number of firms that have had that situation, or without having to really put your entire career on hold just is wonderful, not only for the person that is dealing with life as we all do, but also for the firm. I mean, right now it's so fine talent and you don't want to see good talent walk out the door. No, exactly. And there there is so many talented people that for some reason or another need to um, dial back their career a little bit, but they still want to progress either technically or soft skills. or So we work with them within the hours that they're able to work on those goals. The thought is that they don't freeze just because they need to take a step back. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely makes sense. And I think it's a wonderful program that you have going there. And I'm sure that's part of why that you're able to retain as many women in leadership as you have. Once they're senior manager, they're assigned a beyond senior manager coach. That's so they still have their mentor program, but the coaches are myself and the other co-managing partner. And our whole goal is to help them figure out what their next steps are and help them get there. And it could be mechanically like, 
oh, part of the program is you need to meet with all the partners. We're going to make sure we have an admin set up meetings with all the partners. Whatever it is that they need to do, whether it's logistical or just um, giving them advice, you know, like they'll say, I met with partner A and they think I need to do this and partner B thinks I need to do this. What should I do? We kind of help them navigate and figure that out. Oh, that's great. Those relationships are really strong and powerful too. And just, it's rewarding. I mean, to see people, you know, they'll be like, Robin, I don't think I should go for that. Uh, I just don't think I'm ready. And I'll be like, actually, you're more ready than some of the people already in this role. And they will be like, I just think, I mean, in general, women will hold themselves back a bit. And so it's really important. And we don't want to push them where they don't want to go, but encourage them when they really are already there. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's wonderful. So in that vein of supporting women, I personally and the MOVE Project in general are big believers in supporting women in minority-owned businesses whenever possible. And it looks like Jones and Roth is as well. According to your survey, you provide mentoring and educational opportunities, as well as you collaborate with other programs that provide support and networking opportunities for women and minority business owners. I would love to hear more about this commitment and how it plays out at your firm and in the larger community that you live in out there in Oregon. I think it it takes shape in a lot of different ways. So, for example, we have a book club and it's a women women's book club and um, we read a book and it could be a book about Nike founder. It could be the book educated, but it will be a book that has issues that relate to business that we can talk through and sort of coach without being in your face coaching, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And we'll have people attend these book clubs that are an 85-year-old woman that's run her own business for the last 50 years to someone just starting out and it needs a lot of help and people develop relationships, right? Reading is a way of opening up. And then once you're, you're opened yourself up, you're vulnerable and, and people develop relationships outside the group because they connect with people in that, and that makes sense. And so we do things like that. We do a lot of training. We do just a lot of one-on-one coaching and different things in our different communities that take shape differently. I think that's great. And I would imagine if I put my marketing hat on, it also leads to business. It does, but it's strong business, like more, more loyal clients, right? Like the clients know you and you know them. And if you've been vulnerable with them, they're vulnerable with you, right? Mm-hmm. And those kind of create you know, the best relationships. Yeah, like when you say, I've made a mistake, I'm stressed because I didn't do what I should have done. And when when you're vulnerable, people want to help you, right? Yeah. And if you tend to be like, yep, everything's fine. Yeah. They used to um, have this thing that CPAs always said, if they, they sort of had a badge of honor, right? How's it going? Oh, I'm just so busy. I've just worked so hard. <laughs> and when we want to say, we're enjoying what we do. We, we like the challenge. We've 
we love working with people. You know, like it's it's subtly different, right? But the CPA, traditional old time CPA, I work a lot of hours. I have my head down. I don't build relationships. And that's not what our clients need. Now, and honestly, it's not sustainable for very long. It also is really great for the younger generations who really do want to work with people that they know, that they have a connection with. I've said for years and years to my clients in the marketing realm, people work with people they like. Yeah. You can't get to like somebody without getting to know somebody. Right, right. What is that saying? um, Clients want to know how much you care, not how much you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think, honestly... I have seen client relationships start over something that may seem silly, like you both have kids that play softball or you both coach your kids' softball teams, but there's a connection made there, right? And that allows you to kind of dig deeper with people. You have that one thing in common and it opens the door for conversations that can go a whole lot of different ways and often lead to decades long client relationships. Yeah. The other thing uh, along those lines is we have a pretty strong nonprofit accounting presence in our communities, and we do nonprofit roundtables where we invite different executives from the nonprofit to come in and learn different topics. And that's been really helpful in terms of community outreach and helping various people. When we go out to recruit employees, that speaks to some people, right? Like, I want to work for a firm that has nonprofits and, and works with nonprofits and helps them. Yeah. And it's giving back to the community. Even clients that are paying is one thing and you're making them stronger, but just creating those relationships. And we all live in communities that need help. And I, I love the idea of helping the nonprofits that are helping the people that live there. So what advice do you have for other firms that are maybe looking to expand their talent pipeline, attract and retain more women, and also other minorities as well? I think the biggest thing that I've learned is how I think isn't always the same as other people see the world. And so you can't apply your values or what's important to you across the board and really reach other people because their circumstances are different. They're looking for something different. So we have like this internal sort of chat like, oh, when I was coming up, I loved when a partner took me to lunch. Well, somebody else might say, I hated going to lunch with a partner. It <laughs> it put me on edge. It made me stressed out. It It wasn't attractive at all. But maybe really paying attention what kind of training we give these people is important to that person. So I think it's really to be successful, you can't just assume everybody likes what you like or what you liked coming up or what was important to you. And people will get to a certain level and they'll be like, you know, I would have loved if somebody did this for me at that level. That might not be true at all for that person. You know what I mean? They're different people. They're a different generation. Their background could be completely different. And you really have to try to really get to know that person and see, 
as much as possible what's important to different people and be able to reach that instead of, again, one size fits one. You know, it's, it's different. Everybody's different. Their emotions are different. Their birth order is different. <laughs> the, how many people in their family is different and they're going to approach problems differently. And it's very easy to sort of be like, I'm successful and I did this and this would have helped me. So I want that same thing. And so I'm going to give what I thought I was lacking to that person and that person, it might not, might not need that. I agree. I do a good deal of diversity training and unconscious bias and that sort of thing. And one of the things that I always try to stress is diversity is much more than the things that immediately come to our mind, like gender or race. We have so many different things that make us who we are, like where we were raised, how we were raised. You mentioned how many people were in your family, you know, economic status. So many times we see firms that are staffed with a lot of people that grew up upper middle class, had no issue getting into college or paying for college. And there's just so many factors that make us who we are. And frankly, I think having more diversity in that broader sense brings so many different perspectives to the table and makes us more able to relate to client situations so much better. Because you can't assume that everybody had a background like yours. There are, Correct. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know people that are high ranking in firms that have never shared the fact that they spent part of their childhood living in a car. So right. that kind of creates a very different perspective in how you approach problems and frankly, what you deem is important and not important. For sure. I think that's, uh, I agree with you completely. It's like, it's very easy to think however your perspective is, is everybody's perspective and it simply is not. Yeah. And being open to that. I've seen a lot in maybe older partners within firms, not across the board by any means, but a minority of them are like, this is what I had to do to get to, to this role. And everybody else should have to fight the same battles. Why? <laughs> Why yeah. is that necessary? Yeah, I just recently had a um, performance issue with a senior manager level. And I was trying to figure out why my methodology wasn't working. And I really thought hard about it and I changed my entire approach and it's completely flipped around. And it was because the approach I was using was not helping that person. It was making them more stressed out and more overwhelmed and it didn't feel to them. They felt like they were on an island, right? And that they were doing badly and that no matter what they tried to do, they would do it badly. So I completely changed my approach to how to solve this problem. And it's turned around, right? And it's that same, like, I have to remind myself, like, I know all this, but I still like you can fall under times of stress and old patterns and things like that. So I think that's the other thing is always trying to do better, no matter what. I mean, I'm co-managing partner and I still am learning lessons every day. I think when we stop learning lessons every day, that's when things go awry. Yeah. To your point that you just made was ask the people yeah. you're working with, like, how can I help you? And yeah. 
you will often people just don't take that small step. And if they do, they could learn that, oh, you know what? I really need X to do my job better. And I don't feel like I have that. Yeah. You, you never know, but there's no downside to asking in my opinion. Correct. I I agree completely with that. Well, I think that is outstanding and I'm so excited to learn more about Jones and Roth, but I want to close with a couple of fun questions for you, Robin. Okay. When you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh gosh. So when I was very young, I had this whole thing about finding out about people. So as soon as I learned to write, my friends and I would, would, we'd have a clipboard and we would ask people questions, (laughs) nosy questions and write it down. (laughs) And I didn't know what that would lead to, but we always thought that would be the most interesting thing to be able to ask nosy questions. And I think I achieved that because being a CPA, you can go out in what I call adult field trips. (laughs) So you go out to the client, you ask them how they got to where they were, their story. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's fascinating. So I, I think I achieved what I wanted when I was five. <laughs> That's not a lot. So if you were given the chance to travel anywhere for free, you didn't have to worry about time off or any of that sort of thing, where would you go and why? I, gosh, that's a good question. I love to travel and I think I've gone briefly to Switzerland and I think the people are fascinating. It's gorgeous there. I would love to be able to just go there and really immerse myself. I met this couple that lived there for a year, a young couple. They were like in their early 30s and they just took a year off work and moved to Switzerland. And I just think they have a really interesting point of view and it's gorgeous there. You have touched on one of my favorite places. It's been in decades actually, but I spent a decent amount of time in Switzerland. I have a really good friend that lives there and he took me all over the place and I got to see, kind of get that insider view of everything. And the people are super kind. You're right. It is absolutely stunning. And I would encourage you to go back because and I <laughs> do the same, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same to you. <laughs> yes. And if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I think the superpower I would wish I had more of is empathy. I feel like I sometimes I'm a very driven person. I'm very direct and I go through life with my blinders on sometimes. And my spouse is really good at reading the room a little better than I am. And I just think, I think I'd be a better person if I noticed things quicker, you know, and, and having more empathy and it's something I always try to be better at, but I really wish that was something that was just more inbred in me. That is great. I just talked to someone else on a recent episode, but she wanted a empathy wand that she could actually uh, just basically give people much more empathy so they would understand more the situations that others are facing. So yeah, I like that. And I'm a huge believer in empathy and I've been told that I, on the Myers-Briggs test, I tested 
so far in empathy that it's probably not healthy. <laughs> but I I do. I think we we shouldn't have to have something happen directly to us to feel for others. And yeah. you hear that so often in certainly in political circles, but also in business circles where somebody comes around to a different point of view, say, you know, I've seen many people talk about this, about homosexuality and that, oh, I really don't believe in gay marriage or whatever it is until they find out that a relative is gay. And then they're like, well, I I came around to that. I'm like, just because you have a relative there doesn't mean that there aren't millions of people out there you should have felt for in the first place. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think, I mean, it's something I strive for, but I, I'm very driven. So I'll get very focused on what I want to achieve. And sometimes that isn't good for the people around me. Right. Yeah. Because I'm so focused on my own goals and how things should be done. And when I do take the time to step back and really understand everybody's position, it goes smoother. But why isn't that in me all the time? (laughs) I think you're probably much more empathetic than you think based on everything that we have talked about today. So I love that something you're seeking, but I think you're probably closer than you think you are. Yeah, I try. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we can all do, right? Right, Uh, right. I have so enjoyed our conversation today, Robin, and appreciate your time and expertise and knowledge and willing to share it with us. And hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Okay, great. Thank you. It was really nice meeting you. Thank you for listening to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and SACPRO. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at accountingmoveproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues too. I'm your host, Bonnie Buell-Russick, and until next time, keep moving forward.